and welcome back to Don't Quit Your Day Job. My name is Paul. Uh, today, special treat from my old haunt in the suburbs of Chicago. I have the legendary singer-songwriter Dave oh, Rokas on the show. Hey, Dave. How's it going? You're setting the bar too high already. <laughs> so... I mean, I am getting old, though, so I am legendary. I'm going to I'm gonna well, put this out there just so people know ahead of time if they don't already know. So I'm putting out your very soon-to-be-released record on, on yeah. Katsulu, and I'm, I'm happy to do so. But what I guess I didn't realize was how much of a diva you are and how much well, you change your mind and text me and all of that sort of stuff. What is your expectation when you sign with a label that they're just going to do whatever you want? Yeah, that's what I'm, I mean. I've never been on the label before. And like, if I know one thing about you is that you're easygoing, so you'll do whatever. It's not sarcastic, but you actually are super easygoing. So, so I guess I meant, it. yeah. No, man, it's just been a crazy day. And I wanted to, but, but then like randomly the star popped up. So I'm like, that's what I'm going to do it. All right, cool. I did Charlie's podcast two days ago. So you got all right. High excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of, of labels, I don't know that it's not. I don't know that it's true that you've never been on a label before because your previous record, which is excellent, and I'll drop the links and I encourage people to go check it out on Spotify or whatever. Um, but you released that on Rogers Park, which was your own label at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my own label, which was really just so we could put a label. <laughs> yeah. It started so me and Sam wanted to put out a split. So I just made up a record label for it. And then we put out a bunch of stuff on it, but we never did like vinyl or anything. Okay. And so was the idea there that it's nice to say that you're on a label? Is there still, so really the serious question here, is there some cachet? Is there some sexiness to saying you're on a label versus some self-release thing? I think so. I don't know other people, but I know for me, that was like a big thing. Like, um, when I put out um, like the first comp that I was on was on a label and I was like really excited mm -hmm. to say that I put something out on the label. And then I put out some stuff on your label and then I put out some other people's stuff on Rogers park records. So that was cool. That made it kind of like a label. Um, so yeah, but uh, I think so. I think it feels better than just saying you're putting it out yourself. Okay. So now when you think about where you are with this record, what is, what is your aim? You know, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to now shop it to bigger labels? Are you trying to get it in front of as many people as you can? Is your objective to be able to move to LA and live in a mansion? <laughs> you know, what, what is the point? So, um, so I think I finally was able to kind of put it into one sentence, what I'm looking for. And that is, when I tell someone I make music, because it usually does get brought up, or I talk to somebody a couple times, mm -hmm. I want them to listen to it and be like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Like, <laughs> it sounds professional. The songs are good. Like, I want to make a good impression on the people who hear it. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, beyond that, like, I want to be able to play shows. I like playing shows. Shows are super fun. But, like, I, I'm not moving to L.A. I don't really want to hop on a bigger label. And even, not that this opportunity is being afforded to me anyways, but if it was, like, I don't want to like go on tour for a long time and stuff. Like right, right. that being said, if like the opportunity fell out of the sky, I would probably try to take it, but that's not what I'm looking for. I just like love making music and I really love like that anybody listens to it. So when anybody listens to it, I want it to sound pretty good. Right. Um, 
And the response is pretty good. Like, like on Spotify, like over a hundred people have listened to the single. So, I mean, like it's not millions of people, but it is still like enough people and it's pretty cool. Right. right. I always find it interesting when I release my own music, when, you know, you look and you see, oh, someone in Texas listened to it. Like, it's always shocking, like when someone you don't know or put it in yeah. front of listens to it. Yeah. It's like, and I'm like, what's your story? How did you get to it? Like all this stuff. <laughs> right. But yes, yeah, so I just want people to be like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. And sometimes I think it's almost to the detriment of the music because the music I listen to isn't crazy highly produced, but I'm always like, this needs to sound perfect because the administrative assistant that works two offices over when she listens to it, she has to think it sounds great. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's hard when you don't necessarily target audience, but I think, I think on this record, I was able to release that a little bit. Like it still sounds good, but it's not quite as tightly wound as the last record. I don't think. Um, so I was hopefully trying to strike a little bit of a balance. I might argue that compared to the previous record, which again, I, I like a lot um, for, for furthest West is one of my, like favorite songs, regardless of the the artist. I think it's a legitimately great song. But I think this this record actually sounds better, Dave. I think it sounds really? better. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. May also be this record sounds more appropriate to the content to me. Mm -hmm. Like on the last record, I really love how it sounds. But like, I think the guitars are a little too chunky for like like. There's little things that I would change. Mm -hmm. And Matt Holmes, who mixed the record. Um, and recorded the drums and bass. Um, he like, I, I think he did a great job getting the personality of the songs, which is something I don't think I've ever really had before. Like on what a memory there's like fun little things going on and it really fits the song. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I think it all came together really, really well. And, and Matt Holmes was really the like savior of this record. Cause I had been all over the place trying to figure this stuff out and he was able to make it all work. Yeah. Right. And you recorded it on a bunch of different places and a lot of the instrumentation for for some of the songs is different so i'm you know as the label guy now i'm excited mm -hmm. for for people to hear it because again i i think the the songs are good um jumping back to to touring do you so you have a day job where you do videography stuff and yeah. would you be able to jump on a tour if a tour dropped in your lap would you be able to leave and and go do that I think so. I don't think I could do for like a month necessarily. I do think like if it was like a two week thing, maybe even a month, I think I could go to my work and be like, cause I could like, so m the bulk of my job is video editing and video filming. But as I've kind of moved up there, just as you move up, there's more like, I don't even know what you call like, 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 meetings and, mm -hmm. and emails and stuff like that and that stuff the kind of like managing of the department i can kind of do that from anywhere right? right so i think i could be like hey could i just do like three hours remote every day for two weeks or three weeks and make it work like it couldn't be a forever thing but i think mm -hmm. they would like give me the leeway to do it if like a really cool opportunity popped up or something like that or if it was like a two-week thing I would just take a vacation, right? Like I can take a two week vacation. When you talk to people about your music, like at your day job, um, do you think it's an insult to you if they say, I'm surprised at how good it is? Like, you know, why wouldn't they think it's good? I guess would be my question. I, I think it's because, and actually not so much at this job, this, like this job, I've got kind of like, 
I have more peers that are similar to me. So mm-hmm. like we're a little more let loose. My last job that I loved for eight years was a little more buttoned up. Mm-hmm. So I think I didn't necessarily present myself as somebody that would be in a band. Okay. So when people heard it, I think they were surprised that I even did it much less that it was something that like sounded good and stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, right. But yes, I don't take it as an insult because I don't think they, they're not expecting anything from it. One of the things I talk about a lot on this show is anybody can record music and release it and it'll be on Spotify and Amazon and iTunes. Anybody can do anything. Anybody can take their phone and shoot a video and say, here's my video, no matter how crappy it is. So how does someone like you rise above that ever rising tide of everything that's out there? So I think a lot of it is quality because anyone, you're right, anyone can do anything, right? So I think one is collaboration. So to kind of rise above, like I can record and mix an album here in my basement, but bringing Matt in, bringing other people in, like you're collaborating and it kind of elevates everything, getting Mm -hmm. people with a certain skill set to it. Um, That being said, I don't really know. Maybe (laughs) the answer, I don't know what... (laughs) makes it stand out or anything um but like because also i mean this is just a completely real true story i like looked into like paying to get more listens on spotify Mm -hmm. but like i didn't want it to be bots like that feels so shitty so there was a company that like pitches your shit to playlists and it was 250 dollars, and they guarantee ten thousand listens from playlists or your money back after two weeks they're like yeah, no playlists are biting. So like another week, we might just send your money back. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, <laughs> is this shit that bad? Like, yeah. So I'm did like, they dude. send you your money back? Is that what happened? No, that was, they told me that on last Thursday. Okay. They asked for another song. So on Friday, I put out the second single. Okay. So I sent them the second single. So we'll see. Okay, um, but I was like, are you "Fucking serious? Come on! Is it okay to swear on here, Paul?" Yeah, it's it's fine. I know that you're you're a potty mouth. I can't imagine how you're able to kiss your mom with with those words coming out of your mouth, but apparently you do. Um, choosing singles, you you know, as we were getting ready to release this record, we had lots of conversations about album flow and and which song should I put out and which song do you like best and all of that. And of course I gave you feedback, but ultimately it's your, it's your music. You're going to decide what you think is, is best. So how are you deciding that? I mean, obviously you're talking to a lot of people about what they think and then making a decision, but what's the calculus there? So a little bit is talking to other people, seeing what they think. Uh, my personal opinion, obviously. And then just kind of like the, I still like go off in my head the singles that like Blink-182 and every one of those bands when I was like 11 and 12 would put out like the fast first single, the slower second single, and then a fast third single. And that's kind of still the way I think about it. (laughs) So like with this record, I put out like the fastest, most immediate song. And I think that maybe that's the best song on the record. Anyways, it's hard because these songs have been written so far apart that mm-hmm. like there's a lot of immediacy bias uh, to it for right. sure. It being objective can be difficult, but that the, that song was just very very immediate. And then the second one actually um, was interesting because I think you said it too. Like in the demo, 
the song's called No Fighting in the War Room. In the demo, that was like the best song for sure. Like I loved the demo. I think it sounded great. In the final recorded version, I still really like, but I don't think it's necessarily as good as some of the other recordings. Mm -hmm. But I think it's the best written song. Like I think it just has a lot of great elements. So and it's a little bit slower. So I went with that for the second single. Right. Right. When you think about social media and again, this idea of trying to get what you think are good songs in, in front of people, how much is too much? So you, you've been posting on Facebook and you're sort of making a joke of, I'm sorry, I'm bothering you and I'm going to not bother you. You know, you're trying to walk that line of being an obnoxious pain in the ass. And I really want you to just have a listen, right? Just have a listen. And and that's all I'm asking. Um, how, how how do we do that in 2023? So that's a really good question. And I think it actually kind of goes back to like the touring and shows stuff. Cause it's like what I'm looking for out of it now is like, I would rather do two or three local shows a year that I get like a ton of my friends and stuff out. Mm-hmm. And it's like an event then. And it, it may also be partially cause I do it solo. Right. Um, so I'm only really pulling from my sphere. I'm not like in a band as opposed to somebody like Charlie, who's in like an active band and they're playing all the time and they're trying to get with bigger bands to get their fans in and like progress it. That's not necessarily what I'm looking for. Um, So I really like, like this release show, we have like 70 tickets sold for like a pretty small room. Like I think it's going to be pretty full. And it's also kind of an excuse for, all my friends to see each other. Like we don't Mm -hmm. see each other that much. So it works in different levels. So that goes back to the quality of the music. Like I want the music to be good enough that it's not like the bummer part of everyone hanging out with each other. (laughs) And I don't think it is. I think people legitimately like the music. And I know I I had some friends be like, we've been watching you since, since we were all 12. So like we like seeing where you've gone with it, but yeah, but with this record, I've been trying to be very careful kind of the same way with posts because I want each post to be like a home run and I don't want people to be annoyed with it. So I've been doing like one or two a week. Like after this recording this Wednesday, the album comes out Friday. I'm going to do a post today, but I haven't done a post in a little bit. I'll probably do a post tomorrow and then a big post on Friday. Right. Um, But I have been trying to like make each one kind of a, kind of a big deal or at least something new to show or something. Right. And this podcast will go up on Thursday, like always. And so the release of your record will be the the, the next day. It'll be Friday. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. And have you gotten any pushback from people? Because you have you have two different Facebook profiles. You have your personal one and you have your Dave Rokas Music one. And I think it's hard to get the professional one in front of people, right? So you end up yeah. posting a lot on your personal one. And have you got pushback from people saying like, dude, you gotta, you gotta stop. I haven't, but I haven't been posting that much this time. So the professional, like a professional one, whatever you want to call it, it like harkens back to the last record when first of all, Facebook was much bigger of a deal then. Like Mm -hmm. just a lot less people use Facebook. Now the engagement's a lot less. Um, So I did that because I was kind of going for that broader thing. Now I've pretty much only used my personal one because like, I make this stuff for the people I know. I'm like, Hey, check this out. This is really cool. Yeah. Um, so I really just do that personal stuff, but you just gotta be kind of smart about it. One thing that really interests me is I've had a ton of people bring it up to me from Facebook 
that don't engage with it at all. Like, like, like they're like, yeah, I saw your stuff. It looks great. And I'm like, but yeah, you've never like given a like <laughs> or a comment and I don't care. I'm just glad they see it. Right. It's just so interesting. It's hard to imagine someone engaging with it and then not like clicking or something. Right. So that kind of makes it cool to think that there's people you don't know. And then like, you can look at like the Facebook views on like the lyric video and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that shows a little bit of growth, but I've been doing mostly on my personal cause that's who I'm aiming it at and like setting smaller goals, but being able to hit them, like the release show, the go, the, the, the attendance goal. I did it there cause I didn't think I could top my last release show, but now the attendance is almost what that release show was. Mm-hmm. Like the last one had like 110 people there and this one's gonna have like a minimum of 70 at this point. So like, um, so yeah, it's just like setting goals and trying to reach them, but goals you can actively reach. Do you prefer to play the songs at this point, solo acoustic, or do you prefer to play them with a band? So I really like playing with the band. The reason to do the release show acoustic is, um, I thought of it more as like a release party. So like all my friends and family and stuff are all getting together and it's just like a little less intrusive if they do want to like kind of just hang out, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I, I think people are going to watch the show, but it's just like a little more laid back and casual. Um, but we're doing a full band show in September in Miskatonic Brewery. Right. Cool. And that's kind well, you're the one who set it up. You know about this, right? I, I do know about this. Yes. Oh, you're trying to play the I, audience. I'm trying, right to, I'm trying to underplay it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way. And that's kind of my thing. We're like a few big shows a year. Like that's going to be September. I'll have plenty of time to build that up mm-hmm. and it's different. It's a full band show. And so like anybody who's like, I can't make it to this one. When's your next one? I can already tell them like, yeah, that one's in September, right. put it in the calendar right. as opposed to being like, and this is cause I did this for a long time, but as opposed to being like, yeah, I'm playing another brewery next weekend. Like I'm trying to make them special. Right. So they're like special to me and special to other people. Right. That, that idea of playing too much versus too little or trying to find those balances, I think, is, is very difficult. But as you've been describing, you've sort of found your comfort zone, right? You have an idea of what you want to do with your music, how you want to get it in front of people. And you seem to be quite OK with that, right? The objective here isn't to cover a Laura Jane Grey song and have it heard by a trillion people, right? That's not your objective yeah. anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, get what, like, use it to what you, like, get what you want out of it in the sense that, like, like, music is my favorite thing to do ever. Like, I say it all the time that, like, playing in bands is the reason that I have the job I have, the career I have, everything. So I'm able to just do it when I enjoy it. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not actively trying to get something bigger. And I realize that that is from a place of privilege or success that I also have a creative outlet in my job and, like, like, like financially, like we don't have kids or anything, so I can kind of do what I want with it. Um, So that helps a lot. I can really like, so I don't need to attain anything from music other than just like having a good time and seeing my friends and making cool songs and stuff. And like, and then that's just like the best. It's like the coolest hobby, right? Yeah, yeah, agreed. Speaking of the songs themselves and the subject matter, so you, you write about personal topics. You write about things that happen to you or things that you think about. I think sometimes um, the subject matter can be serious, even though the song has a very sort of happy pop edge, right? So you're riding yeah. both both sides of that that coin. But before we get into how you're structuring those things, how does your wife feel 
about the previous album being completely about <laughs> your ex-girlfriend and this one not being totally about your wife. So she's she's okay with it. So the last record I wrote and had already started recording before I met her. Right. So so Shelly was a big actually a big part of making that record. And this one, I mean, on the album, there's like five songs that are about Shelly, but she understands that like those are like happy songs and it's like harder to write happy songs, you know? So like, um, and if anything, I think my last record would have benefited with a little, little more variety. Um, So this record's a little more all over the place, but like, I mean, what a memory is pretty much about our honeymoon. So like there's shit about Shelly on there. Yeah. Right. (laughs) When I, when I write songs, lyrics are nearly, 100% 100% of the time, the the afterthought, right? I don't spend a lot of time on lyrics. I want stuff to match sort of the rhythms that I'm writing. I write about silly stuff, as you know, you know, Bigfoot and UFOs yeah. and, and all of that sort of stuff because I don't want to be personal with the songs that I write. And you're the opposite end of that spectrum, right? Is there any desire for you to not sort of bear the person that you are to your audience? Honestly, that's a really, really good question because being super personal is like kind of the opposite of what I just said of like having a good time and shit, right? Like having a bunch of unpersonal songs is much easier to share. Yeah. But like I like I've tried to write like made up stories and stuff, and I just like feel nothing for those songs. I like cannot get myself to keep moving on them. They just and that's just but also like Paul, you really care about like the music and stuff. Right. Whereas like I just like all like practicing for the show, I'm like, fuck, every song is exactly the same. <laughs> so I'm like, Sam, you gotta play lead guitar on a few of these songs and stuff. <laughs> so I'm like, so in order to really feel connected to it, it needs to be personal for me. Okay. But I know that that's like totally different for a lot of people. Yeah. So your lyrics first? Oh, yes. So like I write by putting lyrics in my notes on my phone, just like constantly when I'm in the flow of it. And then I will put them together. You like, usually I'll write like 75% of the lyrics together. And then if I need to fill blanks, I'll go to older lyrics and see like where they kind of fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I'm lyrics first a hundred percent. Cause like all my songs are the same chords and all that shit. Right. Yeah. Well, the you, lyrics put, you are put a capo different. on sometimes to change the key. I do put a capo on, you know, no big deal. I either play it in G, G sharp or A. <laughs> But if you know but now, if you know where your voice is, that's important, right? Yeah. Yeah. So and now I will play in G flat because I tuned my guitar down half a step. <laughs> so you know, I'm getting pretty advanced. Right. You are you are definitely getting more as you get older and, and older, you're getting more and more advanced. Yeah. And all of that joking aside, I make that joke all the time, but like I played all the instruments on the record other than the drums. And I'm like, there's some intricate shit on here. Like I go to the same tricks a lot, but um, there is some more intricate stuff in there, but it's all in service of like the hook. Yeah, that's the thing that matters. Yeah. And will you continue to rework a song if you feel like the hook isn't there or it's missing a bridge or something? Will you just work it and work it and work it until you're you feel good about it? Yeah, definitely. Like what a memory! The first single. That's the third bridge that it's had on it, and it was one benefit of one benefit of like writing about kind of the same stuff a lot is you can interchange parts a lot and they still fit thematically. So yeah, so that was the third 
bridge on it. And I had a lot of songs that were kind of similar because originally it was going to be like a concept kind of seven inch that was all about just like traveling. Mm -hmm. So then as I paired that back, I was able to kind of take my favorite parts from all like five of those songs and, and make like two really good songs out of it. Mm -hmm. Are they pop songs? Are they rock songs? Are they punk songs? Americana? A couple of people have asked me and I'm not sure how to describe it, honestly. I always say pop punk, even though I don't think that's really appropriate for this record. It's not pop punk. So like pop, rock i guess but like that's so lame that's like imagine dragons because but agreed right you don't want to be imagine dragons Dragons they listen to this but there's a maturity there right and there's more Mm -hmm. as you were just saying about the music there's more sophistication than just root fifth power chords you're doing more stuff with the songs right so from that perspective it's it's not pop punk and it's but it's also not quite americana and it's not quite you know so as you said, okay, rock, right? That's really yeah. generic and sort of boring. If, yeah. if you're trying to spice that up, if you're trying to now communicate via social media or whatever, how are you describing your music? Kind of like pop rock is probably the best description after I just made fun of it. And it is interesting because the songs are very simple. I think it just comes from writing songs for like almost 25 years now. I just have like, taken all my influences and made something that is uniquely mine Mm -hmm. that is like very very close to a lot of other things but i think somewhat uniquely to me and that might be giving myself way too much credit but i usually just say it's like alternative rock like if somebody asks me i'm like yeah it's like alternative rock or it's like green day right which is not a great one-to-one comparison but like it kind of gives you the vibe it's almost like if a folk punker got tired of playing just on his acoustic guitar and joined a band it's it's kind of that thing, but still without the strong folk folk element. But that is a hundred because like all these songs can be played on just like are written on just acoustic guitar. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good way to say it too. So now that you're songwriter, I said singer songwriter a lot too. Yeah, singer songwriter also also makes sense because of the intimacy of the subject matter. Uh, yeah. Now that you're on Cat Zulu, are you going to go out and buy the Lamborghini or buy the the Lincoln? You know, how are you going to spend all of the money that you're about to get from this album blowing up? Um, so Paul, you're being sarcastic, but I will say <laughs> that I don't know if this is too inside baseball. I don't know, don't know if you want this out there, but you put a lot of money into putting this record out too. Like I put money in, but you put more money in. So it's like a huge, huge I mean, it's such a like a show of support and like it's just like so cool of you to do it and um and that being said i have lost a lot of money on this album (laughs) no but that's the wrong way to put it i describe it as like going on a vacation like recording is my favorite thing to do so going on vacation i did have a couple areas that didn't end up working out right where i did lose some money for no reason but other than that that had nothing to do with you so yeah the the songs are good, and I, I've always thought, you know, we've talked about this many times, again, being a little bit inside baseball here, but you write good songs. And part of my objective with the label is to try to get people that I think write good songs in front of more people. That's that's it, because that's fun in and of itself. And if you don't lose me a couple of thousand bucks, Dave, I'll be happy. Well, and I think I'm hoping, and we've talked about this, and I think people listening to this probably think it's interesting a little bit. I think like we were very economical with it. Mm -hmm. 
in a weird way where I don't think even if we both sell all of our copies, we will make our initial investment back. But there's no way for us to really lose very much money right, either. Right, right. You know, like we're not taking the big swing to make money, but like I think at worst you'll lose a couple hundred bucks and that's like the cost of doing something fun, right? And one last thing here is is the physical copy because we're talking about vinyl records now, right? That's where mm-hmm. the investment is. There's not any investment, not any significant investment in putting out stuff digitally, right? Everybody can do yeah. that. And that's cool. I listen to digital music like everybody else, but I think mm-hmm. there is sexiness and there's a desire, at least for me to want to have vinyl as the physical thing. And yeah. it's exciting to get the delivery. Just like when I shipped I your, got a, I got a record for me today. Right. And when you yeah. get the vinyl, there's something cool about it, especially if it's, if it's your, your own thing or something that you've had a hand yeah. in. My question for you is, is there still value? There was a lot of value in physical copy coming right out of the pandemic. But this, in my experience in trying to run a mm-hmm. label, has seemed, seemed to have dipped a bit. Mm-hmm. So you as a consumer, not just as an artist, how are you thinking about the importance of physical copy? I think one big thing is doing it at the scale that we're doing this record. And just like I said, that I'm pushing it to my sphere is it gives people in your sphere a way to support you. Mm-hmm. Number one. And, but then you don't like, I don't want to take that for granted and then give them something crappy. Mm-hmm. So then you like, like, um, so I had a designer that I work with design it and um, Little Elephant printed it, uh, pressed it and printed it. Mm-hmm. And like the product looks amazing. Like yeah. they look so good and they sound awesome. Like listening to it on vinyl has been very, very cool. So it's all, it's all about scale and expectation. So I think if it's somebody I know, like I'm going to always order radar records I order every record that you put out Mm -hmm. and I'm one person. So there's gotta be at least enough people to do that. Um, And then beyond that, we, I still think of albums as albums. Like I listen to, I mean, I came from CDs more, but like listen to a record all the way through. And, and I think about how many of my favorite albums, if I was a kid now, I would never get into because I would have just skipped to another thing Mm -hmm. easier to get into. But like when you bought the CD for 16 bucks, like, just listen to it and you found little things to get into. And then until you really love the record. So I still think of albums like that. So I think it's really cool. And I think there is definitely a benefit there. And like beyond giving someone like someone's going to buy a CD and not do anything with it. Um, at least if you buy like a record and don't do anything with it, it's a lot bigger and looks a lot cooler. And it's like a piece of art kind of. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, but, but also like with the brochures that I did, it's like, you're going to buy this. I want this to be fucking so cool. Like, this is probably the only vinyl I'm going to put out. Maybe not. Maybe I'll do it again. But, like, I was like, I want this to be so awesome. I want it to be an amazing product. So people see it and think it's, like, really cool. Maybe go back to it. One last thing here, then, that makes me think of your investment, not of of time, but your investment of brain power and energy and um, emotion. Mm-hmm what becomes success for you from that investment? So, okay, we can sell out all the copies and that's awesome, right? That's always the objective. We want to sell out the run so that we can say we sold it out for the same reason we say, I want to be on a label so I can say I'm on a label, right? Exactly, yeah. What's the the success for all of the other stuff, for the emotional investment for this 
album at this time in your life? So one, uh, one personal one is like, I really like listening to it. I don't necessarily listen to it for the songs because they're my songs, but I like listening to it and thinking about all the things we came up with. Cause like even Sam, he's not actually on the record for the first time ever, but me and him sat down and like demo the guitars a ton together. Cause he's gotten like really into guitar. Mm -hmm. Like all of the experiences I've had making it um, and recording in LA and recording at gravity studio, stuff like that. The other success is just like, and it's hard because you dilute yourself a little bit. Right. Cause everyone says, Oh, it sounds really good. Right. Like they're not going to lie, but like feeling some genuine appreciation from that. And I think there is genuine appreciation from that. And that also comes from being, like this album, I am a hundred percent proud of. There's nothing I'm embarrassed about on it. Mm -hmm. There's maybe some topics that like at my release show, I'm not playing a couple of the songs. They're a little too personal. It's going to be weird in that environment, but musically and everything, I'm very proud of it. So when someone says they like it, I don't have any reason to think they don't like it. And if they don't like it, it's not anything I did. It's like people have different tastes and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. So, being able to be a hundred percent proud of it and excited when people watch it, listen to it and not be like at all, like, Oh, you heard that or whatever, you know, that really makes a huge difference. Um, and also just, uh, like all that brain power and stuff is stuff that I really like doing. So the opportunity to get to do it is just very cool. Cause like mm -hmm. a lot of people are like, congratulations on your record. You made a record. That's insane. That's so crazy. And to me, I'm like, oh, it's not that hard. Like, you know, not that it isn't work, but like, it's like the most fun shit to do and right. stuff like that. So right. it, um, so yeah, that's kind of the success, I think. Cool. Well, I will drop <laughs> all the links for Dave Rokas music into the pos podcast description. As always, I definitely encourage people to check it out. There's a couple of videos as well that are very well done, which one would expect since Dave uh, works with video as his day job. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for writing and recording and releasing this record and good luck um, at your release show uh, this weekend. Hey. Thank you. Thank you for putting out the record, Paul, and thank you for all your support. This is awesome, man.